I do want to thank Brother Harold for this opportunity to preach God's Word and uh, thank him for this conference. I do want to thank Brother Joseph Allen and the members of this church for allowing us to gather here with them. And uh, I want to thank each and every one of you because each and every one of you are an encouragement to me. Your presence here encourages me. Your presence here helps me. I stand before you this morning, and I feel so unworthy. Brother Harold spoke about Brother Randall and Brother Russell probably being the most educated preachers here at this conference, and I'm probably the least educated of all these preachers here at this conference. I have no Bible college education whatsoever. Uh, the Lord called me to preach in 2008. And uh, I was a single man at that time, an older man at that time. Uh, and it was, he actually began to call me in 2007. And I fought it. I was like, you have the wrong person. I am not the man for you. And uh, the Lord just would not quit until I surrendered to the call to preach. What a great privilege and honor it's been to preach God's word ever since then. In 2013, the Lord blessed me with a wife, the most wonderful wife I could ever have. She's probably a better pastor's wife than I am a pastor, and I'm so thankful for her because, because of her. I'm able to do what I do. She. She helps me so much. She encourages me when I get down and when I get discouraged. And like Brother Russell mentioned earlier, you can get aggravated with people, especially church members. Man, I tell you, they can get you upset. And guess who hears all that? My wife. But I'm thankful for her. And uh, when Brother Harold called me and asked me to preach, I had a message immediately come to my mind, and Brother Russell's message couldn't have been a better precursor to the message that the Lord has laid on my heart for you this morning. And so if you will, turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I just want to look at two verses this morning, verses 23 and 24. And I want to preach a message I've titled The Message That We're Called to Preach. The Message That We're Called to Preach. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. You'll see me doing a lot of flipping up here this morning. I'm a manuscript preacher. I don't trust my memory. And uh, this is my security blanket. I will not read it. I will not go verbatim by it. But... I have it for my own, uh, to help me. And uh, like I said, I feel so unworthy and so incapable of doing what the Lord's called me to do. And the only way I can do it is with his help. But you found 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. Let's read. The Bible says, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. 
and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, I bow before you this morning, Lord. Father, you know my weaknesses. You know my strengths. And Father, I stand up here this morning before all these men that you called to preach and their families. And Father, I just feel so unworthy. Father, we know that you are worthy. And Father, I ask this morning that you would help me. That you would help me to preach this message with power. And Lord, that you would give me the liberty to preach what you would have me to preach. Father, I pray this morning that this word you have given me would be of help to some pastor or some preacher here. Father, or some church member, as this, mes- this uh, message that you've given me is not just for preachers. It's not just for uh, pastors, but it's for all of the saved. And Father, I just pray this morning that you would use me this morning to be a blessing to your people. Father, just give me the strength that I need and help me to preach your word this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The majority of people in our world today, including many Christians, believe that it's a preacher's responsibility to preach the word of God. That only preachers are called to preach God's word. And it is true that God calls certain men into the ministry. But it's every believer's primary duty to preach the word of God. Every one of us that is saved by the grace of God has a responsibility and have been commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to preach the word of God, to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. I'm afraid that the longer we're saved, the more we forget the person we were before God saved us. We forget how bad we used to be. And we look at those who are lost, And the lives that they live, and we want to condemn rather than have compassion upon them. We look at them, we put them down. But the truth is, that was us one day. And I'm so thankful that there was someone who didn't look at me and condemn me when I was lost. I'm glad that there was someone who had compassion and prayed that I might be saved. I'm glad that someone cared enough about me that they shared the gospel with me. You see, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. My dad was a drunkard. My stepdad was a drunkard. And boy, I cursed with the best of them because that's all I heard at home. And I don't know what was going on one day when I was in third grade on the school bus coming home, but I was probably doing what I always did, and that was cursing someone out or putting someone down or 
wanting a fight with someone or something. And this little girl looked at me. She said, Lonnie, are you a Christian? And I was like, hmm. I didn't even know what a Christian was. And I was sitting there. I was thinking hard, man, what's the right answer to this? And uh, finally I looked up at her and I said, I don't know. I have to go home and ask my parents. And she said, if you don't know, you're not. Third grade. Third grade. Three years later, my mom's Avon lady come to visit. Good, godly woman. She sold Avon, but she shared the gospel with everyone that she sold Avon to. And she come and and she asked my mom, said, would you mind if your children come to vacation Bible school this week with us? And she said, no, I don't mind. Well, this is not odd, it's God. That church where I went to vacation Bible school, Emanuel Baptist Church in Dillon Springs, Louisiana, just happened to be the same church that that little girl that asked me in third grade whether I was a Christian went to church. She was there at that vacation Bible school, and she watched as the Lord saved me during that vacation Bible school. And as I got to know her as going to church there, I realized and understood that from the moment she asked me if I was a Christian, that girl and her family prayed for my salvation. I truly believed that with all my heart because I got to know them and knew what kind of people they were. We got to we're quick to condemn but we need to be more compassionate we need to look at the lost sinners in our world and realize that that could be us in fact that probably was us before the Lord saved us Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He didn't say sit on our blessed assurances on these soft pews. He told us to go. And we're to go and we're to teach. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Where to go into all the world. Where to preach the gospel to every creature. That includes those people whom we look at and we condemn and we think, well, that poor person, there's no hope for them. I'm sure that as I was growing up, there's people who knew my dad and knew my family history that said, there's no hope for him. There he is. And it's the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our hope. And those of us who are saved know that. But those who are lost don't. And how are they going to know unless someone tells them? Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 before he ascended back into heaven but ye shall receive power 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. We're to be witnesses. The man you see standing before you this morning is not the man that I was before the Lord saved me. What you see before you this morning is nothing but a trophy of grace. You see what God's grace is able to do in the life of a sinner. You know, the word preach means to herald as a town crier. The town crier was a representative of the king. It wasn't a man that you could negotiate with or uh, ignore. He had a message to declare from the king. He spoke with the king's authority. And everyone needed to listen to what he had to say because it was important. Preachers are to preach the word. That's what Paul told young Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he says, preach the word. What we're to do, preach the word. We're not to go out and preach our opinions or preach our thoughts. We're to preach the word of God. Yes, good to debate. Oh, this is what I believe. This is what I think. But what does the word of God say? Back up what you believe with the word of God. I know as preachers we're to preach the, all the counsel of God. It's what Paul said he did in Acts chapter 20 verse 27. In other words, if it's in this book, we're to preach it. People may not agree with it. People may not like it, but we're still to preach it. So I said this morning, I want to take a little time to look at these two verses that I read earlier. And I want to preach for a little while on the message that we're called to preach. In verse 23, we see the content of our message. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Now, as most of you know, the church at Corinth, the church that he's writing this letter to, was a church that had many problems. It was a carnal church. It was a worldly church. You see, the Corinthians had a love for the world. Not only did they have a love for the world, but most of them lived like the world. And that should never be said of any Christian. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. Sadly, there are many people today who call themselves Christians who have more of a love for the world than they do the Lord. 
There's many Christians that could be here this morning that's not here. There's many Christians on a Sunday morning that could be in church. But where are they? Fishing, hunting. I understand some people have to work on Sundays, but there are a lot of people who will skip church to go out and entertain themselves with the pleasures of this world. Oh, my football team was playing on Sunday. I, I'd rather go watch them play than go to church. One of the things that the Greeks were known for was their fascination with philosophy and philosophers. They often looked for words of wisdom from men like Aristotle, Socrates, or Plato. When they heard men of God like Paul, they said, who is he? This man don't even compare to our philosophers. They considered these men, these philosophers of their day to be wise and those who preach the gospel to be foolish. There's a lot of people in our world today that look at men of God who stand up and preach the truth of God's word on a daily basis as being fools. They don't like our message. Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. That's a message that we're called to preach. Too many people today are more interested in what the intellectuals have to say. They want to, they're like the Greeks, they want to hear someone who uses a clever rhetoric and wise words. They like to use human reasoning to determine if what they heard was the truth. But God's word is truth. When people in Paul's day heard Paul preaching Christ crucified, they thought his message was foolishness. For the Greeks, the gospel was just too simple. They couldn't believe that that's all there was. When Paul preached like Christ in the synagogues, the Jews were appalled. They just couldn't believe that their Messiah would die such a cruel and horrible death as the Lord Jesus Christ did. They found Paul's message to be vile, offensive, and repugnant. They were more interested in signs and wonders. They was, wanted to see things like someone speaking tongues rather than see the change in a person's life. Do you remember who Paul was? Paul was one of the greatest religious leaders of his day. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a man who was on his way to round up Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to be punished. And he believed what he was doing was of God. He was doing God a favor. 
Boy, how did God change him on the road to Damascus? When God opened his eyes to the fact that he was a sinner, just like everyone else that he was condemning. After Paul had his eyes opened and was saved by the grace of God on the road to Damascus, he had a new message that he preached. He says to Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the message that we're to preach. That's the message that lost sinners need to hear. Like Paul, we don't have any signs or wonders to validate our preaching. All we have is the change that God has made in our lives. You know, I go back home to Louisiana and people who knew me in school or knew me back in my sinful days can see the change. But people in Plummerville, they didn't know me back in those wild days. They didn't know the man that I used to be. I don't have some earth-shattering truth to share with them. The only message I have is Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. It's a message about a Savior that loved us so much that he came to this earth and humbled himself wrapped himself in human flesh, died a cruel, horrible death so that we might be saved. It wasn't for his sins that he hung on that cross. It was for the sins of his people, everyone whom he was saved by his grace. whether we're preaching from the Old Testament or whether we're preaching from the New Testament, the main theme of our message should be Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again. That's the message men and women that we're to preach, we're to proclaim, we're to declare. It's a message that a lost world needs to hear. Yes, there will be some who will say it's foolishness. Many will be a stumbling block. It's the only message that we have. Don't get distracted by these churches that are growing leaps and bounds and not preaching the truth. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep preaching Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. Don't get caught up in this quest for popularity, this race for numbers or many other of these church growth schemes that are being promoted in social media. Because there's only one thing that lost sinners need to hear, and that's the gospel. They don't need to hear what we think about our, about our doctrines. They don't understand those things. 
They will not understand those things until God saves them. The only message they need to hear is the message that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the message that lost sinners need to hear. Then after the Lord saves them, we can teach them about our doctrines and about our eschatology. You know, the gospel's the only message that's powerful enough to save sinners. Do you believe that? Are you sharing the gospel? Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If we truly believe that the gospel was the power of God unto salvation, then we'll be sharing with everyone we met. We wouldn't be ashamed or look at someone and say, oh, they, I, I'm not going to talk to them. They might get up in my face and call me a fool. They might threaten me or attack me. It doesn't matter what they might do. They need to hear that they're a sinner and that Christ died for their sins and that he's coming again. Secondly, I want you to see the Christ of our message. Paul said in verse 23, but we preach Christ. That's what Paul preached. He preached Christ. He didn't preach some prosperity gospel. He didn't preach the Christ of the cults or the Christ of the charismatics. He preached Christ of the Bible. Christ of the gospel. That's the Christ that we need to preach. The Christ we preach isn't the Christ of getting uh, rich quick. Or he's the Christ of the Bible. He's the only hope that sinners have because he's the only way that men can come unto God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When we preach Christ, we need to make sure we get him right. We need to preach that he's the virgin-born Son of God. The only begotten, eternal Son of God. We need to preach that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John chapter 1, verse 14, Brother Brandon preached from it last night, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory to glory as of the be only begotten of the Father, full in grace and truth. We need to tell sinners that Christ lived a sinless life, that he died a sacrificial and substitutionary death, that he was buried, that he resurrected from the dead. We need to preach that he ascended back to heaven, where he's seated now on the right hand of the Father, but he is coming again. When he comes, he's coming for his people, those whom he saved by his grace, and no one else. 
What a shame it will be. If he returns and finds us not doing what he's commanded us to do. You know, the only way we can do what God has called us to do is if we take the time to prepare ourselves for what God has called us to do. The only way we can tell people about Christ and all about Him and what He taught is if we take the time ourselves to study the Word of God. To pray to God. We're to preach, but we need to prepare ourselves before we preach. We need to spend time with the Lord in prayer. We need to spend time in His Word. You see, prayer is how we talk to God. His word is how he talks to us. Once we've done that, we're to go out and declare the word of God to all those in the world. We don't know who the Lord saved and who he hasn't. We don't know who he's chosen for salvation and who he hasn't. Why he commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Did you catch that? There shouldn't be anyone that we don't tell about God's love, about God's grace, about God's mercy. Lastly, we come to verse 24. We see the culmination of our message. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Preaching can be hard. It's hard work. And it's discouraging. Because we get up here behind the pulpit and we preach God's word all our heart. We give it everything we have and nothing happens. You may preach the gospel for weeks, months, even years without seeing someone's life changed. Someone come to faith in Lord Jesus Christ. Think about Noah. He preached the entire time he was building the ark. People laughed at him. People mocked him. People made fun of him. But he continued to build the ark and he continued to tell them that judgment was coming. Yet when it came time to enter into the ark, the only ones who entered into the ark was Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives. Then I think about Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached for over 40 years and never seen one person repent of their sins. Did he get discouraged? Yes, there was times when Jeremiah said he wouldn't, he, he was, he quit. He wanted to quit preaching the word of God, but it was like a burning fire in his heart. He couldn't do it. Sometimes you may preach to someone and they seem to take three steps forward and two steps back. It's discouraging. 
After service, people may pat you on the back and say, boy, that was a good message. I really needed that. But then they walk out the door and you see them a little bit later and there's no change in their lives. They continue to do those things they did before. You preach and tell them that they need to go out and share the gospel for the lost and dying world and they continue to just do what they please. Seem to have no concern about those who are lost and going to hell. There was a preacher one time who preached after he got through preaching, his young son come up to him and said, Dad, what's the highest number you ever counted to? His dad said, I don't know. What's yours? He quickly replied, 5,372. And the preacher said, well, why you stop at 5,372? He said, church was over. We all laugh, but sadly, that's how it is. There's people whose minds are in anything but what you're up here saying. But you know what? We're still to preach the word. Every now and then, God will speak to that lost sinner's heart. Someone who thought the gospel was foolishness. Someone who... Saw the gospel as a stumbling block. Will come by the grace of God to be saved. They'll believe what they used to consider to be foolishness. And you'll see a person's life change. Boy, that's good times, isn't it? Boy, that's joyful to see a sinner saved by God's grace. But we can have joy in preaching the word. Because every now and then God will save a sinner. What we need to remember is that we're called to preach the gospel. That's our duty. That's our responsibility. We're to preach the gospel. We're to pray for lost sinners. And then we're to leave the rest of it to God. If we are preaching the gospel, if we're praying for lost sinners, we've done all we can do. The rest is in the Lord's hands. God said in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. The God we serve is sovereign. He's a life-changing God. He touches hearts and he saves sinners. And that's all we need to know. So pray well. Study well. Prepare well and preach well. And whether someone repents of their sins or not, you're doing what you're called to do and you're not wasting your time. You're fulfilling the will of God for your life. So preach Christ and him crucified, risen and coming again. Brother, if you'll